All right. Well, I want to welcome everybody today. Man, good to be in God's house. Anybody besides me? Excited to dive into God's Word. But before we do, I do want to take a moment to look into the camera as I do every week and welcome all those joining us online, along with all the men and women joining us in a correctional ministry right here in Northwest Ohio, across our nation, even in the country of Belize, in the Belize Central Prison. We love you guys. We believe in you. God believes in you. God has a plan for you. So come on, Defiance, and we welcome our church family today. That's awesome. Well, today we are starting a brand new series called The Ten Commandments. And you guessed it, we are gonna be studying the Ten Commandments. And I'm excited about this because we've never done a series, series like this in the history of the church. And so what we're gonna be doing over the next five weeks is studying two commandments each week, and there's gonna be some weeks like today where the commandments really flow well together, and there's gonna be some other weeks where there's like a hard stop and a, and a new start, and in those weeks, we're gonna be offering a two-for-one special, two messages for the price of one, and I would just highly recommend for all of us to take advantage of that, and you might say, well, how do I do that? Well, you just show up. That's all you gotta do. You just gotta be here. We're gonna give it to you. But as we kind of study these, these 10 commandments, they, this were the, was the beginning of God's laws. And I need us to know uh, right away that, that God's laws aren't the same as man's laws. In fact, I did a little research, and I want you to know, there is still some really, really weird state laws in effect in our country to this day. In fact, I found five of them that I want to share with you today, and what I want to notice is that God's laws aren't the same as man's laws, but did you know that in Michigan, they need, how many know they need a lot of help in Michigan? In Michigan, it's illegal to tie an alligator to a fire hydrant. Not sure what was happening in Michigan, but I guess things got out of control. Too many people, guys, it's enough is enough. We're gonna have to put in a law and you can no longer tie an alligator to a fire hydrant. In California, it's illegal to build, maintain, or use a nuclear weapon. I mean, that sounds like a pretty good law, though. I'm just saying. So, so if you're planning on, on building one or using a nuclear weapon, you're going to have to find somewhere else other than California to be able to do that. In Colorado, you, you can own a medieval catapult, but it's illegal to use it. <laughs> I guess the medieval days got a little bit out of hand in Colorado. In Connecticut, a pickle cannot be sold unless it can bounce. I don't even know what that means, Connecticut. And then my favorite for today, in Georgia, you can't eat fried chicken with utensils. And so the, the old saying, finger licking good, it's not just a suggestion in Georgia, it's a law. It's mandated. How many know God's laws are not the same as man's laws? And as we talk about the Ten Commandments, we call them the Ten Commandments because well, the Bible calls them the Ten Commandments in three different places. In Exodus chapter 20, once in the book of Exodus, and we'll study those today, but then twice in the book of Deuteronomy. And, and as we study these commandments over the next few weeks, 
We're gonna look at them in a way that, that you might not expect because I don't believe that God was just giving us a, a list of rules. I don't believe that God was just giving us a bunch of do's and don'ts. In fact, if we limit these commandments to, to only being that, I think we'll miss what God actually intended them to be in our lives. And I believe that God was giving us principles. Everybody say principles. He was giving us principles for living, and those principles enhance our relationship with God, and they also enhance our relationship with each other. Now, I understand they are commandments, they are laws, but if we'll look at them in such a way to see the principle behind each commandment, behind each law, that's going to enhance our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. And as we do, I just think we're gonna learn some things and we're gonna see some things and we're gonna understand some things like never before. Now, uh, it's interesting, the first four commandments are God-centered, dealing with our relationship with God, enhancing our relationship with him. But then the last six commandments are people-centered, dealing with our relationships with one another, enhancing our relationships with one another. And so let's kind of dive into it a little bit. The Ten Commandments were given to, to God's people at a, a time when they really, really, really needed it. The Israelites had just been led out of slavery. They've spent the, the past 430 years in bondage and in captivity uh, in the land of Egypt. They had not been on their own. They had not had to take care of themselves. They hadn't been able to think for themselves. They weren't even a nation yet. They had been slaves who were told what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. And so they've just come out of generations of slavery. The parents were slaves, the grandparents were slaves, the great-grandparents were slaves, the great-great-grandparents were slaves, and so they didn't really understand who they were, and they didn't understand who God was, that the relationship with God had been affected. And so God gives them these commandments and these, these laws and some guidelines to show them how to live and to enhance their relationship with him and with each other. So let's take a look at Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse one through two. It says, then God gave the people all these instructions, gave them the 10 commandments. And he says, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. God says right out of the gate, I am the Lord your God because he wants to have a relationship with us. I am your God. That before God gives them the 10 commandments, he reminds them that he, he bought them back. God redeemed his people out of bondage and out of slavery so that they could be in a relationship with him. And how many of us know that's what God did for the people of Israel, but that's also what God has done for each and every one of us. I know God has redeemed us. And if you're not sure what that means, uh, let me explain it like this. With the NBA playoffs happening right now, this is the best way, uh, example that I can come up with. I was reminded of when LeBron James first came into the league. He was drafted by uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. He spent the first 10 years of his career in Cleveland before the decision came out, right? And he decided to take his talents down, and we don't even say the city in Ohio at all, but he decided to take his talents down south where it's really, really hot. By the way, you know where else is hot? Hell. But anyways, 
LeBron goes down south and he loses his mind, prodigal son, and he's down there for a little bit and then he comes to his senses. But if you remember when he left, people went nuts. I mean, they were burning his jersey in the streets. There's all kinds of memes on social media. But then he came to his senses and he came back. And within three years, he brought a championship to the city of Cleveland. And all of a sudden, he became a hometown hero. He became King James. And everyone forgot about what had happened in the past. That's redemption. Redemption is when <laughs> you're having a hard time making that connection. I, I got it right away, people. How many of us understand redemption now in a way? You know, come on. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Why are all the guys' hands up? Thank you. That's redemption. Redemption is when we have a past and God says, Your past has been paid for. Let's forget about what happened to your past. Let's remember it no more. You're a hero. You have been redeemed. You've been put back in right standing with me, God says. I bought you with the blood of my son, the blood of Jesus on the cross, and I've brought you back to me. I have redeemed you. And if you're a follower of Jesus, man, God has redeemed us out of the bondage and slavery to sin. Let me show it to us in scripture so you can see it. Romans chapter six, verse six says this, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. I mean, that's good news because we were all slaves to sin and God redeemed us out of slavery to sin. And when we look at these 10 commandments, we see 10 principles that will deepen our relationship with God. Now, most people see these commandments as this list of rules. Most people see them as this, as this list of things to do and not to do. But it's so much more than that. God redeemed us for relationship. Everybody say relationship. He redeemed us for relationship. And so let me give us kind of our key thought for today's message. If you get nothing else from the message today, I pray that you would grab a hold of this. And that is simply that you determine the depth of your relationship with God. We determine the depth of our relationship with God. And the Ten Commandments can be found in Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 through 17. But but I want us to notice what happens immediately following God giving these commandments to his people. Let's take a look at it. Exodus chapter 20, verses 18 through 21. It says, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance. They stayed away from God's presence. And they said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen. But do not have God speak to us or we will die. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that, you fe so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning, to keep you on the right path, to keep you on target. But the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. God had, had given some, some principles to his people to help them not only get out of bondage, 
to sin, and, but to also live a better life. God had brought them out of Egypt, but now it was time to get some of the Egypt out of them. And so God is giving them some guidelines and, and these laws and these commandments to, to deepen their relationship with him, but also show them how to live. I mean, we determine the depth of our relationship with God. And so Moses, in this passage of scripture, determined that he wanted to have a deeper relationship with God. But the people determined that they wanted to have a relationship with God through Moses. The people said, Moses, you go speak with God and come tell us what he says. How similar uh, is that to many Christians today? Pastor, you go meet with God during the week and then we'll show up on Sunday and you tell us what he said. Too much? But remember, remember, remember why they said this. They said, you go speak to him for us or we shall surely die, right? Can I just remind us that our flesh always dies in the presence of God? And that's not a bad thing. That's actually a good thing because we're becoming more and more like Jesus the ungodly parts of who we are, our carnal selves, our selfish selves, our prideful selves get crucified and put to death in the presence of God. And so the picture that this passage of scripture is painting for us is that the people had some things in their life they didn't wanna kill. They had some habits, they had some behaviors, they had some cravings that they didn't want to give up. And so they said, Moses, you go have a deep personal relationship with God and then we'll get to know God through you. Take a look at Psalms 103, verse seven. It says, he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. Can you see the difference? The people of Israel knew what God did, but Moses knew why God did it. Moses knew the heart of God and the ways of God. He didn't just see the acts of God. And I don't know about you, but I want to know the heart of God. I wanna know the ways of God. Let me say it like this. Do we wanna have, do we want our relationship with God to be based on thou shalt not or based on principles that allow us to go deeper in our relationship with him and know him better. Well, we determine the depth of our relationship with God. And so all that to say, let's dive into the first commandment. When it comes to the first commandment, the principle that God is teaching us is number one, the principle of priority. The principle of priority. We see this first commandment given to us in Exodus chapter 20. Verse three, and God simply says this, you must not have any other God but me. And so right out of the gate, God is saying, if you wanna go deeper in your relationship with me, if you wanna know my heart, if you wanna know, not just know my acts, but know my ways and why I do what I do, then you must not have any other God but me. Now what's interesting is as we know the Israelites have just spent the past 430 years in Egypt. Well, Egypt had more little g gods than any other culture in the history of the world. In Egypt, there were 29 main gods and then there was 2,000 lesser gods. That's a lot of gods. It's a lot going on there. But right out of the gate, God says, you must not have any gods but me. Why? Because the same problem they were having back then is the same problem that you and I can have today. We like to create a lot of other gods in our lives. 
and other gods is one of our greatest temptations as people, which is why God started the whole thing out with you shall have no other gods but me. Because God knows that we are easily led astray to worship something other than him. Is it just me? Now, it's packaged different today. It looks a little bit different today than it did back then, but how many of us know God created us to worship, to ultimately worship him? Now, everyone on the planet doesn't know God or worship him as God, but we all worship something. I think it's why music is so powerful. It's like, it's why we can remember the beat or the tune or the lyrics and we have memories attached to that. That's why we're drawn to those things because we were all created to worship. And when it comes to worshiping other gods, in our culture today, there is this new age theology, this universalism that says, it doesn't matter what you believe, you just need to believe it with all of your heart and your good. I know that might feel good. Just do whatever you want, but make sure you feel good about it. Own your own truth, and you're gonna be fine. You're gonna be great. I mean, that, that might sound good, but how many of it's not good? Because when we're calling the shots, when we place ourselves on the throne, we take God off the throne, and all of a sudden, how we think, how we feel, and how we see it, now that's our truth. That's my truth. You ever heard that verbiage? And it's common today out of love to say there's multiple ways to get to heaven. Just follow your path. And if we're not careful, we can water down the gospel to where we don't even have a gospel anymore. I mean, I, I remember years ago when I first uh, encountered AA. I mean, it must have been 20 years ago I went to my first AA meeting. Alcoholics Anonymous, for, for those that don't know what AA stands for. Obviously, God delivered me from addiction and, and all those different things. So 20 years ago, I walked through and went to my first AA meeting. Well, if you know any history about AA, it started out two Christian men founded on the truth of God's word and gave some principles, all based on a relationship with God. But as I walked into an AA meeting 20 years ago, they told me my higher power could be anything. My higher power didn't need to be Jesus. It could be the doorknob on the wall. It could be that light switch. True story. It could be any, whatever I wanted my high power, higher power to be, I could just choose it. I know that's a slippery slope. I know that's wrong. Because, because I might get free from alcoholism, but I know the, the, the light switch can't heal my soul. The doorknob can't touch the depths of who I, who I am. Only Jesus can do that. And so right, right away, God is saying, you shall have no other gods but me. Jesus echoes this first commandment in John chapter 14, verse six. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. How I many of this is the real truth? Because the, tr the reality is, how I many of there's no such thing as our truth? That's actually an oxymoron statement because what if your truth is different from my truth than what's true? The real, this is the real truth in the real life. You shall have no other gods but me. Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Now I know that might sound a little harsh but I need to remind us that the gospel of Jesus Christ is completely exclusive with how we have a relationship with him and how we spend eternity with him. There is no other way. It is completely exclusive. Jesus is not a way. Jesus is not an idea. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. 
It's completely exclusive with how we know God and spend eternity with him. But at the same time, the other side of the coin is that the gospel is completely inclusive with the who, with the who can know him and who can spend eternity with him. The Bible says that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. In other words, it doesn't matter who we are or what we've done, but it does matter what we believe about who he is and what he's done. It doesn't matter where we've been or what we've done. All we have to do is acknowledge that we're lost, that we're a sinner in need of a savior, and we put God on the throne of our hearts and lives. Well, it's the principle of priority. And when we understand this principle and we live by it, man, it enhances our relationship with God. Because all of a sudden, I'm removing all the things that don't belong, and I'm putting God in his rightful place in my life. How many know when God's first in our marriage, our marriage is better? How many know when God's first in our family with our kids, our family's better? How many when God's first in our hearts, we're better? We have peace. We have strength. We have forgiveness. We have a cleansed conscience. We, we are better when God is first in our lives. But we've maybe all seen this in our, when it comes to our marriages, when God gets placed down the list. How many of our marriages start to struggle? In our families with our kids, when, when God starts getting placed lower down on the list, how many of our families start to struggle? How many of we do this in our own personal lives when we start placing God on a lower priority and he's not first? How many of we start to struggle? And so God is saying, right, okay, man, to know me, we determine the depth of our relationship with God. Have no other gods but me. It's the principle of priority. Then when it comes to the second commandment, the principle God is teaching us is number two, is the principle of loyalty. God tells us in the first commandment to have no other gods, but then he says to not have any idols in our lives either. Exodus chapter 20, verses four and five. God goes on, the second commandment says, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. This is the principle of loyalty. And let me just ask all of us a question. Has anyone ever been disloyal to you? Come on, lift your hand. Has anyone ever been disloyal to you? What did it do with your relationship with them? What did it do? Did it hinder it? Did it destroy it? Did it cause a separation between you and them? Maybe for some of us, it was never the same after that. And God is saying, this is so important because this is the principle of loyalty, to be loyal to me. God says, don't make for yourself an idol or image of any kind. Don't bow down to them or worship them. And what's interesting is God gave the people of Israel these 10 commandments in Exodus chapter 20. But I want to take a look at what happened just 12 chapters later in Exodus chapter 32. Now, to give us a little context, God's people have, they made a very famous story in the Bible. They, they made an idol known as the golden calf. Now, just to, just to recap, God raises Moses up to deliver his people after 430 years of slavery in Egypt. Right? Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. Right? And Pharaoh says, no, we will not let you. Who wants to start singing? We will not let your people go. 
And so God sends 10 plagues on the land of Egypt. And you can go study this out, but each plague dethroned one of their false gods. Each plague dethroned one of those 29 or 2,000, all the gods they had, the 10 plagues dethroned one of their gods. And finally, after 10 plagues, Pharaoh goes, all right, go out in the wilderness and you can have your worship party and your festival and worship your God. And this is just a plan, a little fakey, a little okey-doke. The people weren't just going out to have a little uh, worship festival in the wilderness. They were gonna make a run for it. And so they go in the wilderness and they hit it. They hightail it and Pharaoh's like, what just happened? I let all my free slave labor go. They're gonna build, the economy's gonna be affected. So Pharaoh goes chasing them. God tells them not to go one way that looked really good. He said they wouldn't make it. It looks good, but it's gonna be a hard road. Go this way. They go the other way, and they find themselves at the, at the shore of the Red Sea in front of them that they can't cross, and their enemy behind them, and it looks like a dead end. Oh, and by the way, this entire time, they've been led uh, by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. God was leading them and showing them where to go. And then God parts the Red Sea. The wind blows all night long, parts the Red Sea. They walk over, millions of people walk over on dry ground. The Egyptians follow. The, 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 the sea comes back, destroying Pharaoh and his entire army in front of them. God continues to lead them, provides quail and manna from heaven so that they can eat. Come on, they're having steak and, and, and manna in the wilderness, water from a rock. God continues to do incredible things. And then the pillar of cloud where God's presence was rests on Mount Sinai, which is known as the mountain of God, where, where God gave Moses the, the Ten Commandments. And so I'm painting a picture that, that these were not a people People who are missing miracles. These were not a people that hadn't seen the mighty hand of God move. These were not people who were in a church that, that wasn't seeing lives being touched and changed. No, they were seeing baptisms happen every single month. They were seeing lives being restored. They were seeing marriages being healed. They were seeing addictions be broken in the name of Jesus. They were not missing miracles at all. Then in Exodus chapter 20, God gives the, the Ten Commandments to, to Moses. And then 12 chapters later, in Exodus chapter 32, Moses is going back up the mountain to spend some time with God. And a lot of people don't realize that Moses actually made eight ascents up Mount Sinai. Eight different times in the book of Exodus, he climbs up to meet with God. And at this point in time, in, in Exodus chapter 32, he's on his sixth ascent of Mount Sinai. And what we know about this sixth ascent is that he went up with Aaron and some of Aaron's sons, but he left them halfway up because God said, what I'm calling you to do, only you can come up, which is a good reminder for, for all of us and for, for all of us as followers of Jesus that if we're gonna be spiritually mature, God is going to ask us to climb higher, to go further, and to come into a deeper relationship with him. And there are places that only you can go. Here's what I mean. There are places through sermons, through series, and through small groups that we can help lead you into the very presence of God. But there are sometimes the only way you're gonna get all that God has for you is for you to go up higher on your own. And so Moses is spending time with God. Moses is seeking God. Moses is following God. He's up on the mountain and the people are at a distance. 
The people are at the bottom, and they're getting weary, they're getting anxious, they're getting distracted, they're getting impatient. Let's take a look what happened, Exodus chapter 32. Verse one says, when the people saw how long, how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. These, these people have been eating food, falling from heaven, and now they want some other gods. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses, this guy, Moses, Mo, who knows what happened to this guy. Mo, the fellow, the guy that led you out of 430 years of bondage, the guy that put his staff in the Red Sea and God parted it, the, the very leader that God has been using, now he's just been reduced down to some fellow, some guy who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, well, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters, why the sons have earrings, and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from the ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Aaron saw how excited the people were and so he built an altar in front of the calf. And then he announced, tomorrow we'll have a festival to the Lord. The people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. And after this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking. And they indulged in ungodly pagan revelry. And the Lord told Moses, quick, go down the mountain, your people. <laughs> you ever, parents ever had that? My wife does that to me all the time. You know what your son did again? Wait a minute, my son? I thought he was your son too. No, 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 not today. He's your son. Your people whom you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. This is only 12 chapters later after God had given them these guidelines and commandments, these principles. They have melted down gold and made a calf and they have bowed down and sacrificed to it. They are saying, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And here, just 12 chapters later, after they've been given these 10 commandments, they're worshiping, bowing down, and giving credit to created things rather than the creator himself. They've become loyal to other things than God, and it's affecting their relationship with God. I mean, not only is it gonna mess up God's plan for their lives, but it's separating them, their relationship from God. And as we talk about idols, for, for some of us, it, it might feel like, man, this is a little bit outdated. Like none of us have a calf in our living room. We don't do anything like this. And, and I'm sure that happened back then, but we're not doing that today. Well, I just want to remind us that, that we might be living in different times and in a different place, but we still have the same enemy whose methods have changed, but his mission is still the same, to steal, kill, and destroy. In fact, this, the same idols that were in the Old Testament are here today. In fact, I just wanna give us four idols that we find in this season of the Old Testament that we still see in our culture today. One of the, one of the uh, idols was the idol Moloch, or Molech, you can say it either way, this was a bull-headed idol with outstretched hands over a fire, and they sacrificed children before a battle. They would do this before war in order to win the battle. They would sacrifice a child for their own gain, and they were convinced that this was the right thing to do. 
And I just want us to know Moloch is still here today and shows up in different ways. It fights for its own rights, my choice, my idea, my future, my body. And unfortunately, one of the most devastating ways this idol still shows up in our world today is through abortion that sacrifices innocent life. Moloch isn't gone, it's still here today. Another idol that's still in our culture today is, is Baal. This idol represented sexual immorality. It was the god of sex. Baal was full of fertility cults in the ancient world. Sex parties were their common place of worship, and some of the earliest sex traffickers can be tracked back to Baal worshipers in Assyria who normalized the selling of young men and young women as sex slaves. It's not a new thing, church. It's the same thing with a different label and a different name. This is the same idol of pornography, prostitution, strip clubs, and sexual addictions. The same thing is still here. And we don't call it Baal. We don't bow down to a calf, but the idol is still very much alive in our world today. Another idol is Kamash. This idol represented the worship of pride and success. And many Israelite kings in the Bible would bring in temples of Kamash when they needed power. Solomon himself, who built the very temple of God, married a few women that God told him not to because they would bring in their practices and beliefs. And what they did was they brought in this, God, this idol of Kamash, and so Solomon built one, a temple to Kamash, because he was at war and he wanted to gain the advantage. Kamash was possessed with power and selfish ambition, and Israel... Israel in the Bible would always turn to Kamash for power when they were being corrected by God. When they didn't like what God said, they would just build another God. And I'm saying we still do the same thing today. Kamash is still being worshiped today because people still love power. And then finally, just a, a, another idol that was, that was back then that's still here today is the idol of mammon. Jesus even talks about this idol. It's the love of money and worldly things. And what's interesting is that the Bible talks about money more than any other topic. It's doubled or tripled the amount of any other topic. Why? Because God knows how easily, something, how easily money can be to worship. And mammon is still around today. We worship money, success, greed. We go into debt to worship material things. And I know it's a little bit heavy, but I, I think we, we have to have a reality check, church, we have to have a reality of what's happening in the culture and the world around us and what God is calling us to do. These 10 commandments are not a bunch of do's and don'ts. They're not just a bunch of rules. They're principles to have a relationship with him. He is trying to lead us and guide us into all truth. And he's given us a roadmap to know him in a greater way and to keep us from pain, to keep us from making those mistakes. And how many of us know that the, the enemy doesn't have any new tricks today, he just keeps repackaging the old ones. Now, those are all sinful things, but the second commandment isn't just talking about sinful things. I mean, there can be good things in our lives that if we worship, they, worship them, they can become idols. Do not have any other gods but me, God said, and no good thing above me. No gods and no good things above him. I mean, it's about relationship. God wants to have a relationship with us, but we determine the depths of our relationship. Amen? Would you pray with me today? Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for these principles. 
these commandments, these laws, these guidelines to help us know you in a greater way and to live out your plan and your purpose for our lives. And as we're praying together today with every head bowed and every eye closed, can we just pray this right where we're at? Say, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to respond to the message today? What's our next step? Because we don't wanna be just hearers of God's word, we wanna be doers of God's word. Father, speak to us. Our prayer is speak, Lord, we're listening. And as we're praying together today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you would say, man, there's some, there's some things in my life that I need to remove. There's some priorities that I have that I've placed above God. There's some things that I've ran to for relief, for comfort, for peace, for direction, instead of running to God. I got some good things in my life, but I've placed them above God and they've become idols. I wanna pray that God would give us the courage to do whatever we need to do, to put him first, to be loyal to him, and to experience his plan and his purpose. Because here's what we know, church, his way is better. And if there's things that you, some things that you need to deal with, right where you're at, with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you just lift your hand to heaven? Yep, I know there's some, my, some of my priorities need to be realigned, reordered. There's some things I've put above God. There's some things I've, I've been running to for relief and it's time for me to start running to God. Come on, lift your hand to heaven as a sign of surrender, as a sign of here they are, God. Here I am. Father, we take this step today, this decision to make you the priority, to declare our loyalty to heaven. That you're first, God. And we thank you that your ways are higher than our ways, but your plans are better than our plans. So I pray that you would give us the courage to put you first, to not bow down or worship any idols, but to worship you and experience the life that you have for us. As we continue praying together today, maybe you would say, I don't have a relationship with God. I don't know him in that way that Moses knew him. Maybe, maybe you are like the people of Israel. Maybe there's a family member that's told you about God. There's a, there's a grandma that's been praying for you and your relationship with God has been boiled down to knowing him through somebody else. But today God is saying, no, no, no. There's so much more that I have for you. We determine the depth of our relationship with him. Just as Moses determined to have a personal relationship with him, today is your day. If you need to make that decision to go all in, would you lift your hand to heaven right where you're at? Maybe you're watching online right now. Today is your day. And right where you are, would you just pray this prayer and say, God, thank you for your love that never fails. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to pay the price for my sin on the cross. Here's my life. God, forgive me of my sin. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live. My life is yours. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.